Hi there, and welcome to the Ones to Watch podcast. Here we discuss exciting technology companies with their founders and CEOs leading their industries, going deep on strategy, success, and their plans for future industry disruption and domination. I'm Paul Quatricasas, founder and CEO of Aqua Partners and creator of the Ones to Watch podcast. Stay on after the show, and we'll share with you how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest growing podcasts in our industry. With that, let's get started. Hey friends, and welcome back to another incredible episode of The Ones to Watch by Aqua Partners. And of course, I am your host, Rye Russell, and I'm always so excited to meet the entrepreneurs that we are going to watch. And as most of you know, I love sustainability and technology that helps save our world. And our next guest is no exception to that, a pioneer, Dr. Fiona Edwards-Murphy. Thank you so much for joining us here on The Ones to Watch. That's right. It's great to be on. So I, you have to tell me, when you were at university or when you were deciding your career path, did you know that you were going to get into sustainability and these world-saving ventures? Oh, no, absolutely not. So uh, my background is in um, electrical engineering. So uh, certainly bees isn't <laughs> what I had in mind for my career. Uh, I do come from, from a rural background. So I did grow up surrounded by farms and, and beekeepers and all the other kinds of farming that goes on here in, in Ireland. Uh, but certainly I headed off to university, uh, studied engineering, didn't expect that I'd spend a lot of the rest of my life on firms. <laughs> uh, but I got into um, the technology that, that I work in, which, you know, back then was called wireless sensor networks. Now it's called Internet of Things. It's had about seven different names in between. I uh, just fell in love with sensor applications and, and using sensors to collect data about the real world and to improve uh, just life in the real world. So I uh, worked on a variety of different projects, things like um, you know, structural health monitoring, so to make um, construction safer, uh, human health monitoring and education. And then I eventually, uh, back in 2012-2013, uh, started getting into beekeeping and just realized how much um, sensor technology is just needed for bees. I mean, like uh, we've got so many problems in beekeeping, but really the, the biggest problem that beekeepers face is just a lack of information, not knowing what's going on inside of their beehives. That's exactly what IoT is designed to help. So it was kind of obvious to me at that stage. And here I am, you know, eight years later, nine years later. Oh no. Incredible. Well, I, I love the internet of things as well. And uh, I've, I've done some podcasting around that space because it's interesting how much data we've left on the table for years when it comes to sustainability in agriculture and food. And I was speaking with an incredible individual the other day working on facial recognition or cow recognition software. And, you know, I just, it was incredible the amount of data points that made cattle ranching so much more efficient and so much more sustainable. So I'm interested, could you tell me a little bit about what some of the data points you're collecting from your beekeeping and what this means going forward? 
Yeah, sure. So exactly the same thing got me excited about ag tech in the first place. So what we do at APIS Protect is we've got a, a sensor technology. So it's a small sensor that goes inside each beehive in an operation. And the beekeepers that we work with are primarily um, uh, commercial beekeepers in the US. So these are the guys who actually work in the, the pollination industry. So they provide pollination to um, almond growers, apple growers, blueberries, cranberries, a whole variety of some of the most nutritious food in our diet. And um, you know what they what they're actually doing is providing the pollination, which is one of these you know fundamental aspects of nature that we don't spend a lot of time thinking about until we try to grow 80% of the almonds that we eat in the space of five counties, uh, and then you're trying to get two million beehives into one small location consistently, uh, you know, every February. Um, so what we do at Apis Protect really is um, we help improve the efficiency of beekeepers. So our sensors go into the beehive. We collect things like temperature changes, humidity changes, the sound inside the beehives. And then we use machine learning to actually translate that from raw data into useful beekeeping information, like which hives are growing, which hives are shrinking, where a problem might occur, which hives have been damaged by animals or weather. And we are able to direct the beekeeper's attention towards those problem beehives. And what we found at Apis Protect is actually 80% of the time beehives don't need any work at all. So 80% of the inspections, the work, driving around for hours and hours through the countryside because beehives can't spend a lot of time physically close to each other, 80% of the time beekeepers really aren't um, improving the outcomes of their operation. And by identifying and highlighting the 20% that actually need attention, we can dramatically increase the results within a beekeeping operation while simultaneously dramatically reducing the resource use within it. That's incredible. So there was such an efficiency loss just mm. in the monitoring of the different hives. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, um, you know, what we found, I mean, like basically the only way for a beekeeper to know what's happening in a beehive is to get in their truck, drive out to that beehive, put on their suit, open up the beehive, get attacked by insects that want to kill kill you, rummage around for a while and see if you can identify what's going on. And actually, you know, like I said, 80% of the time you come to the conclusion that, oh, there's nothing I can do to help here. And as well as that, you actually have the, you know, you might be causing problems. So you could accidentally kill your queen. Uh, you could, you know, accidentally leave the hive open. You could, you know, just cool it down too much. And we found as well that actually the pollination output of a beehive can be disrupted for up to a week after you open it. So basically you don't want to open your beehives, but right now without technology, you don't, you, you have to open your beehives in order to know what's going on at all. So you had to open beehives forever until this technology mm. came out and that disrupts the organic system of the hive. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, a, a beekeeper said it to me last week and I thought it was a really good example. He was like, I wish I was a cattle farmer so I could just drive down the road and look in the field and see if my cows are dead because I can't do that. <laughs> they can't do that with beehives. You can't look at a beehive and say it's definitely dead or it's definitely alive. So what are some of the most common problems then? So if you, if you're triggered a warning, for example, on a specific hive, and let's say there are, you know, some warnings that need adjustments. For those of us that are, are not as educated in beekeeping, what are some of the, the struggles or what are, what are some of those warning alerts, I guess, is the best way to ask that? 
Yeah, basically. So the way that we we like to approach this and how we describe ourselves to beekeepers is what we really are is we're the stethoscope, we're not the doctor. So what we're able to do is identify which hives are growing, which hives aren't growing, which hives could be shrinking, um, if a hive is dead and alive, um, if the, the amount of brood in that beehive is shrinking versus the number of bees. So the brood is the baby bees and then worker bees are like the, the normal bees. Um, so essentially what we say is here's the behavior of your beehive, here's what's happening right now, here's what's been happening over the last you know, couple of weeks. And essentially what that means is the beekeeper is able to identify, okay, right, that the hives over here definitely shouldn't be shrinking at this time of year. Because beekeeping is such a complex and, and difficult activity. Um, a bee, a one beekeeper who lives 10 miles down the road from another beekeeper, their operation is going to be entirely different. They're going to know, you know, what's the typical problems for my operation at this time of year. So really what we don't want to do is take the knowledge or the expertise away from the beekeeper, we just help them direct it at the hives that really need it. So, you know, the majority of the time, uh, what we find our beekeepers are doing in response to our insights is things like feeding their beehives, just bringing them out some sugar syrup and feeding them up. Uh, it could be applying treatments. So they've got a variety of treatments to prevent, you know, the pests and diseases that we've heard an awful lot about over the last, you know, 20 or 30 years. Uh, you know, they could even just be picking the beehive up and putting it upright after a bear or uh, some wind <laughs> knocks their beehives over. Yeah. Incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, for some of our audience tuning in, they may have heard, and as we all have, you know, the bees are important toward the environment in our ecosystem. But so many of us may think, well, Dr. Fiona, I love honey and I love to put honey in my tea. That's great. And, mm -hmm. you know, I know that uh, there's beeswax candles and maybe some lip balms, but why do I, why should I care so much about these bees? Because I can do without honey and I can find chapstick anywhere. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think um, probably the most important thing or what we should all be thinking a little bit more about is, is biodiversity and access to, to pollen, our pollination, well, pollen as well, but pollination more so. Um, so like I mentioned earlier, the kind of beekeepers that we work with, they're essential in the production of so many crops that are really important to us. So, you know, almonds is is the, the kind of the flagship crop for beekeepers, uh, but you know, apples, avocados, kiwis, cucumbers, melons. Um, so these are crops that are really, really important to our diet because essentially if you take all of the insect pollination crops out of our diet, we're left with, you know, bread, meat, dairy, uh, you know, crops that are very, very difficult to uh, produce at scale. And, you know, one of the other challenges that we talk about a lot at Apis Protect is, you know, the same thing that every single ag tech company in the world mentions, which is, you know, so many more billions of people by, by 2050. And we're going to have to feed all of these people, feed them, uh, you know, one nutritious diet. So it's not just a case of, you know, pump out barely until everybody has, you know, some barely to eat, you know, it's going to have to be nutritious food and getting the calories straight out of the field into the human diet. And that's what, bee-dependent crops are some of the best crops in the world for achieving that. Um, so what we do is we help uh, beekeepers uh, produce more beehives, uh, provide more beehives into the pollination industry. There's a huge shortfall at the moment in the amount of beehives available for the crops that we're trying to grow. The demand for that, those crops is growing and is going to continue to grow. The demand for beehives is going to continue to grow. And without introducing technology like ours, we're just not really going to be able to scale up our beekeeping to match our diet. Um, yeah. But Dr. Fiona, can can we not just artificially pollinate our food these days? No, uh, we can't. Well, uh, some people are, are trying, they're working on, on, on interesting technologies to try and get around bee pollination. But when you think about it, the, the value of a beehive is about $200. 
inside that beehive, you have 60,000 pollinators. So you divide that down and you say one bee is worth a fraction of a cent and they provide you know, multiples of that in terms of the crops they end up pollinating. So until we can produce things like drones for a fraction of a cent, we're kind of stuck with insects, we're stuck with, stuck with nature's way of pollinating. Um, and one of the most important things that we do with our, um, with our technology is we help improve you know, the profitability of beekeeping. When one individual beehive isn't a massively valuable you know, commodity, uh, what you need to be able to do is dramatically reduce the inputs in to be able to produce that one beehive. So we actually increase the value on the beehive per beekeeper by almost $100. Wow, that's amazing. And it really makes it so there's no reason not to have a beehive around your farm. And so I'm curious, you know, will more farmers start implementing beehives around their farms now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you start with those crops that I mentioned earlier, where, you know, making sure that you have bees available is really important. And then when you start to go down in the list of crops, there's very few crops that having bee pollination available for um, will be anything other than a positive. I mean, like one of my favorite examples of that is strawberries. Strawberries are traditionally seen as kind of like, you know, bee dependent crops. But if you introduce honeybee pollination to a, a strawberry farm, you can extend the shelf life of the strawberries that you produce, improve the color, improve the flavor. You can actually take a field of strawberries that could have been, you know, only useful for like, you know, say jam or, you know, these kind of lower value products for the strawberry farmer and put them all the way up into the strawberries that you buy in the supermarket. So they're really, um, you know, the top tier of strawberries. So this is such a huge opportunity for farmers then because we've been hit so hard with the pandemic. You know, we needed to ramp up you know, our food production. We needed to try to increase our efficiency and it didn't always happen. And so we wasted so much valuable resources. So now if we can help support the farmers and we can help them increase efficiency, but also now increase their margin, that's a win for the entire industry. And that's a win for the world. Absolutely, exactly. So we often, you know, we often come across growers at Angels Protect and we, you know, we work with the beekeepers. We spend a lot of our time talking to growers just because they move in the same circle. And really it is, it's a win for the entire industry adopting this technology because ultimately when we're talking to the growers, we're saying, you know, we're not asking you to do anything different or buy our product. We'd love you to introduce you to, or introduce us to your beekeepers because if your beekeepers adopt our technology, there will be more beehives available for you to rent and there will be that average size of those beehives will get bigger. Uh, so, you know, it's a win for everybody in the industry. So do you have a recommendation because the example that you were talking about, let's say you and I are neighbors and we have you know, 50 acres between us, would there ever be any concern about my bees and your bees? Or can our bees live harmoniously together and, and kind of switch tribes, if you will? Yeah, well, generally the, the, the beehives know which hive they came from so they will ultimately return to the same beehive um, generally what like I mentioned earlier if you're two if you're two bee farmers you are going to want to keep a bit of distance because they're going to be competing for access to food access to, to forage and wildflowers but if you're say two almond growers who live next door to each other uh, there's a lot of just kind of acceptance of that uh, bees will forage about a five kilometer circle so uh, say three mile circle around their beehive and any crops that exist in that radius they're going to get pollinated. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so it's about three and a half kilometers that one hive can can pollinate. 
Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So they, they go a, a fair distance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I can't, I can't even fathom that. So is one hive, is it, would that be considered like when I go, you know, in driving here in Maine, there's a lot of, a lot of the farmers here, they do have their own hives. And mm -hmm. so I'm curious, you know, are, does each tower, you know, per se to, to us, you know, simpletons that are, that are evaluating this, what would you call like each individual tower? Is that a hive or is a hive the community in whole? The hive is that each individual box would be one beehive. So generally what we find in the commercial pollination industry, there'd be four boxes on a pallet and then they move that pallet together. So they move in groups of four beehives at a time. And then you generally drop one of those um, pallets of four beehives every kilometer or so in your field. And then you've kind of got a really good coverage of pollination. And what we find as well, you know, is probably blueberry production that you're seeing there that, that are using beehives. And blueberries and cranberries are, are an interesting challenge for, for beekeepers and for growers in that um, trying to keep the bees um, pollinating the correct crop. So making sure that they don't find some other more attractive source of pollen uh, is difficult. So at, at Apis we're again, we're working on helping beekeepers with, with um, or beekeepers and growers with making sure the bees are, are, are pollinating the correct crop. And we're actually moving into, we're, we're patenting some technology at the moment in that space. Incredible. And Dr. Fiona, when you think of the internet of things from the time that you got into the development of, of this system and these sensors, where do you see this going? Because we had, you mentioned the cattle, we, you know, uh, pigs also, you know, and now bees now have this in farming has been adopting this in cultivation for the last few years. Where do you see the internet of things going in terms of sustainability and our lives? Well, I think it's 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 an obvious solution for a lot of the problems that we see in agriculture. Just making um, you know agriculture more productive with the same amount of resources, because fundamentally that is the challenge that we're facing. How do we feed so many more people with the same amount of land, the same amount of water, you know, the same number of people working? And the only way to get yourself more efficient is, is to adopt technology. So I think IoT is going to be fundamentally important in you know using the same resources to produce more bees or any other animal or any other crop. And I think uh, one of the most important things as well as we go on is to consider the importance of data uh, within our, you know, within the ecosystem. I know that farmers, I find generally are some of the most data conscious people that, that I speak to. They're, they're generally the only industry where you can walk in and assume that these people care about their data and care about who sees their data and making sure that, that um, when you're working with any particular group that you understand the implications of the data and how they can use the data and how other people within their industry can use that data. So one of the things we're very proud of at Apis Protect is that we do, we just work with the beekeepers and we make sure that the beekeepers take the maximum value out of the data that they're creating that ultimately this is their data and they're the ones who deserve to see all of the value of that data in their own operation rather than having it slip out into other uh, members of the value chain. That's amazing and one of my last questions Dr. Fiona is can anybody get into beekeeping and is it something that the general public should be concerned with or should this be reserved for large cultivators and farmers? Oh, no, absolutely not. I mean, hobbyist beekeeping is, uh, you know, it's a really, really fun <laughs> hobby uh, to have. So um, anyone who's interested in beekeeping, I'd recommend, you know, find your local beekeeping group. You might think that there is none, but I guarantee you, no matter where on earth you are, there's a beekeeping group local to you. We do have a hobbyist technology right now. It's available in Ireland exclusively. Um, so basically go find your local beekeepers and get involved. Or even if you're like, 
you know, interested but not interested enough to have a box of, you know, like that insects that want to kill you. Um, there is a whole variety of pollinator programs uh, in every country around the globe, uh, just planting more uh, crops or not crops in your garden, flowers and trees in your garden that are that are pollinator friendly can really make a dramatic impact on your local biodiversity. So I always recommend here in Ireland anyway, planting, you know, things like ash and, and um, lavender, um, you know, plants that will just give more pollen to your local bees, both honeybees and your native bee species, um, that, that can really help impact your, your biodiversity because I know that people are um, spend a lot of time thinking about climate change and sustainability. Uh, biodiversity is a very important part of helping you know, preserve our planet the way that it is. And biodiversity is one of the few aspects of this that you can actually, as a, a completely as an individual, make an impact on locally. So you'll see a change in your garden if you start planting more bee-friendly crops. Incredible. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Dr. Fiona, for those of us that are interested in connecting with you further, what is the best way to do that? Yeah, so um, we're on um, our, our website is www.apisprotect.com. And um, so on there, you can find our um, inquiries at inbox and also our um, uh, newsletter, which goes out once a month. And that's, you know, probably one of the best ways to find a bit more information about our company, especially if you're a beekeeper and you're interested in our technology. And besides that, you can reach out over every single version of social media. We're at Apis Protect. And I myself, I'm Fiona at apisprotect.com. <laughs> Incredible. Well, thank you again so much for joining us today. Thanks so much, Ray. And of course, thanks to all of you. We appreciate you joining us here on The Ones to Watch, brought to you by Aqua Partners. And I'm really excited. I hope you will check our show notes out and follow these links, connect with Dr. Fiona Moore, and learn a little bit more about how you can get involved with biodiversity. And maybe you can start your own beekeeping. We'll see you in the next episode of The Ones to Watch. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Ones to Watch podcast. If you're interested in sharing your company's story and joining us as a guest on the show, please visit www.aquapartners.com slash podcast slash apply. If you liked what you heard, please also visit me and my firm Aqua Partners on LinkedIn and connect. We're always keen to expand our networks and engage with like-minded individuals. Also, please subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Once again, I'm Paul Pontracasas. Thanks for listening to the Ones to Watch podcast.